This is Free Talk Live. It is the lives, uh, actually the Live Friday edition. It's not Saturday yet. Anyway, uh, it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so do enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. So, I, I hear uh, the space station's kind of, well, in bad shape, isn't it? You heard the news? No. Well, apparently it's uh, failing. The computer system has uh, crashed, and they've been spending the last couple of days trying to reboot the system. And actually, I haven't really gone into the detail of what With all the... the millions of dollars they spend on this uh, floating box in space, Yeah, you would think that they'd be able to keep it maintained, but apparently not. No. Mm. Well, and and here's the fun part, right? Because it's a Russian computer system, so inevitably it's going to lead to finger pointing. Oh boy! And so, and it, it can't be that easy for Americans to understand. This uh, story was, by the way, updated eight minutes ago, so it's pretty fresh. Uh, Houston: Two Russian cosmonauts began to get crucial computers up and running on Friday, four days after they crashed at the International Space Station and curbed the outpost's ability to orient itself and produce oxygen. The progress came day after days of frustrating effort and, for the time being, removed a set of troubling options lying ahead for NASA and the Russian Space Agency if the computers continued to fail. Uh, They say they're up and operational, and this is good news for all, spokes bureaucrat in Houston said. Meanwhile, U.S. spacewalkers resolved another concern by stapling down a bent-back corner of the shuttle Atlantis' thermal protection blanket, a gap that NASA feared would cause problems during the shuttle's atmospheric re-entry next week. After a couple of all-night debugging sessions, space station cosmonauts Fedor Yurchikin and <laughs> Oleg Kotov bypassed a power switch with a cable to get two out of three computer connections running. They plan to watch the computers for the next several hours to make sure they were functioning properly. I wonder how old these computers are. How long has that thing been up there anyway? That it seems space like it's been there a long time. Had the machines continued to malfunction, the and there's still a possibility they might fail again. I mean, I don't know if they know what. It was that created the failure in the first place. It appears they managed to bypass something in the uh, the whole setup. The three-member space station crew could still have remained on board, but other steps would have had to have been taken to maintain power and oxygen supplies. Russia had already begun to move plans, move up plans for a cargo ship to deliver supplies, including new computers, next month. I, I guess if you've got the ability to deliver another computer, then it's not so much a big deal. But... Would it have made sense to have a backup system? I mean, maybe these computers are really, really expensive, but I mean, if you're talking about a critical sort of a system, this system that they're talking about would have uh, prevented them from continuing to adjust the positioning of the of the uh, of the space station. So if they weren't able to, able to fire their little adjuster rockets, then they would have ended up coming down a little bit sooner than they'd expected to. Well, um, coming we down have, to Earth, we have a backup is. system here in the uh, the studio. I mean, th- you would think that backup system. I, I'm I'm sure they must have thought of that. It must have failed too. I, I don't know. You'd think they would have mentioned something about it. Well, anyway, an ominous questions were raised about the possibility of eventually needing to bail out of the space station. An option that was ruled out, at least for now, by a top NASA official. Which, of course, you know, again, that would be just millions of dollars down the hole. 
maintaining the correct position, maybe billions, I don't know how much they've spent. Correct position in orbit is key for the space station. It must point its solar arrays at the sun for power and be able to shift orientation to avoid occasional large debris that comes flying through space. The computer crash came as astronauts from the space shuttle Atlantis were resuming work on a long-running construction of the station. Atlantis's seven astronauts arrived last weekend, marking NASA's first visit to the space station this year. During the computer failure, the shuttle's thrusters helped control the station's position, and some of Atlantis's lights, computers, and cameras were turned off to save energy in case the shuttle had to spend an extra day docked to the station to allow more time to figure out the problem. So what a mess! What a mess. Uh, national official, NASA officials said the crew was never in danger of running out of oxygen, power, or essentials. However, the failed computers were the latest technical glitch. Here we go. For the half-built $100 billion outpost. Wasn't millions. Billions. In the past years, a Russian oxygen machine and gyroscopes, which also controlled orientation, have failed. Critics have called the space station a boondoggle, an ill-conceived post-Cold War venture between the superpowers, which at the moment is producing little science as it undergoes construction. And this is something that we've, we've really sort of seen throughout the space program, is that NASA is pretty darn good at spending billions of taxpayer dollars on, well, a variety of boondoggles, some of them more boondogglish than others, like that, remember that Mars rover that went up to Mars and just died? You know, they spent billions and billions of dollars on that. Mars junk. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, there's been variety, and then, of course, there's the, the astronauts that have died in fiery explosions. Uh, well, so they've wasted billions of taxpayer dollars and a handful of lives as well. All for what? All for the advancement of science? Well, they aren't really doing science. There hasn't really been any sort of tangible scientific discovery that's ever come out of the space program. Right. If, if don't Na- tell me Velcro. If, <laughs> if NASA had its heyday back when they were shooting men to the moon in the 60s, that day's over. Um, you know, NASA may be people, somebody's favorite. I'm sure there's somebody listening. who NASA is their favorite uh, I've seen bumper stickers. Government program. Really? Yes. Yeah, you've never seen NASA bumper stickers? I don't know. I've seen Star Trek bumper stickers. I'm sure that NASA. Yeah, I know that NASA does. Um hmm. they they have the old um they have the old NASA symbol which and then they have the new NASA symbol and now the old NASA symbol is the new NASA symbol. Gotcha. Um but yeah, it's their you know, favorite government program, but you know, NASA was only good when it was competing to get to the moon and it was competing against another nation and right. that's when they really had uh, their you know the the blade was sharpened even then it wasn't so sharp when well I, it was a government program they weren't right. they weren't no one was allowed to compete with them from the the, the, the uh, private sector and you've seen that the private sector's slowly going into space when i was in elementary school government school of course i remember them really beefing up nasa and the space program and outer space and all this that sort of thing right. and now i don't ever hear anything about it I mean, what Stuff is there like to this. say? Yeah, exactly. What, what is there to say? I mean, you can you can make news when maybe a little bit of news when you launch a shuttle, but that's not really so exciting anymore. And and again, they're not actually doing anything. There's no real scientific advancement, no products that have been generated. There's no tangible result. They they put a bunch of money in, but it wasn't an investment. It was just throwing money down a rat hole. Now and they may be doing science for the sake of science up there, but I I haven't noticed any. Um, I haven't heard of anything uh, about NASA experiments re- bringing us anything. You know, you hear Tempur-Pedic, but I'm sure that was created by some company that, uh, you know, made it for NASA. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Are, are, is money still going to NASA? Well, yeah, it's a bureaucracy. 
It's huge. I just didn't really think that NASA was still around. I you mean, should go. You should maybe pull it up. Maybe if you go to uh, NASA and Wikipedia, it'll have the the budget or something like that. There's a huge amount of money going to NASA. I mean, President Bush wants them to go to the moon again. Why? Well, they don't. They're out of ideas. I mean, they don't. Okay, well, we did it in the well, '60s. We can do it again. Well, maybe Ch- China's intending to go to the moon now. Maybe they'll think that they'll excite a different generation because the '60s generation is older. So now all these new kids can experience the moon again. Yay! Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. So again, more failures on the space station. The uh, days, the days-long computer problems fueled skepticism toward the Bush administration's vision for space exploration, which calls for finishing the space station in three years, grounding the space shuttles. And believe, by the way, I don't have the Harry Brown book in front of me, but in his book, uh, the Great Libertarian Offer, he goes through some interesting statistics about the NASA's original um, goals for the space shuttle program and what they've achieved, and they they, they don't even come close not even a a slight fraction of the original goals that they had have they achieved i believe the uh, space station was supposed to be done a long time ago i'm all uh, for spa- space exploration i'm just not for um, it being a government program because what what is going to ruin it more than it being a government program according to the wikipedia entry its funding for 2007 is 16.8 billion it's quite a bit i mean that's that's right around the uh, the war on drugs Your thoughts on NASA. Should it be eliminated? I say yes. Let's get NASA the hell out of the way, return the tax dollars to the people, let them keep their money, and then if they want to support space exploration, they should be able to do it on a voluntary, private basis. 800-259-9231. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, including archives. Entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website. For your downloading convenience, just go and grab them up for free at freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move, socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty, and discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. I expect that we're going to be seeing quite a few of our listeners there, Mark. I've already had the, uh, the the emails rolling in. The last line is usually, see you at Porkfest. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm expecting to see a lot of uh, Free Talk Live It's always fun to, there. To, to meet the listeners. Yeah, it is, it is a lot of fun. Of course, we're going to be doing a lot, our they live show think Saturday we're famous. night. It's hilarious crap. <laughs> I thought you were famous, too, before I met you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Porkfest.com, 800-259-9231. NASA, failure. Should it go away? Let's go to the phones and talk to Puke in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amplifier line. Hey, Puke. Hey, how's it going? Hey, hey Puke. Um, hey, Puke. We're not famous, are we? No, probably not. No. <laughs> not, not. Not when compared to idiots like Paris Hilton. There no. you go. <laughs> considering so you hung out, considering you hung out in the park with us a couple um, for a couple of hours on Saturday, not famous. <laughs> Maybe someday. Keep in there, guys. I'm working oh. at it. 
But uh, talking about NASA remind me, reminded me of an article that I read in the June issue of Wired magazine. I'm talking about the private space race that's yes. going on right now. Um, they had a great article about, uh, I believe it was the guy that started eBay or hmm. somebody. I forget his name. Anyway, they were talking about how he was uh, uh, trying to make a new propulsion rocket that would just you know, blow NASA's spatial out of the water. Well, I know that, I, know that uh, I think it's Jeff Bezos, one of the founders of Amazon, is uh, a space guy. I know that much. Maybe that was him. Maybe. I, oh, his name is Elon Musk. Hmm, okay. And, uh, but anyway, that's not what I was calling about him anyway. The, also, they had an article about how NASA was screwing up. And uh, apparently NASA's um, list of priorities are to conduct research in environmental research, Earth, Sun, Venus, yeah, yeah. Uh, locate asteroids and comets that might strike Earth, increase humanity's store of knowledge by studying the universe, and figure out a way to replace today's chemical rockets with something better. And um, in the article, it states how they're what they're actually doing right now is maintaining a pointless space station, <laughs> building a pointless Motel 6 on the moon, which will come you know in the next 20 years, yeah. increase humanity's store of knowledge by studying the universe, which they kind of get that one right, and keeping money flowing to favored aerospace contractors and congressional... Oh, yeah, yeah, there's that, well, too. Well, the, the increasing humanity's store of knowledge is kind of vague, and it's certainly not the... Uh, Google does a better job of that. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not the uh, clear-cut uh, goals they had set out for themselves, oh, in the beginning. Right. Yeah, like They've some, learned from their mistakes, which is, let's make vaguer... No and, numbers. And, 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 yeah. ...and more yeah. achievable goals. And when NASA went to the moon in the 60s, um, you know, there was like a huge, huge uh, amount of the national budget went into that, much larger than what they're going to use, you know, what they're getting now. And uh, and it's just ridiculous to think that, we, you know, Bush wants to go back to the moon now for... Um, I don't know why. Maybe to collect some more rocks. Oh, it's for old times' sake. Well, China's it's not their money. China's supposed to be going to the moon, and suppo- supposedly they have the goal of mining it. Um, nice. Which is going to be interesting as hell watching the uh, Chinese government shoot themselves to the moon to mine yeah, it. Well, what's the premium on that steel going to be when it gets shipped back to the <laughs> I got States, no idea, man. To the Earth. And uh, the, you know, the best NASA project that they've ever had was two two little golf cart sized robots that they sent to Mars. You know, why can't we do if they if they're going to do anything, do more of that. You know, well, and that and therein lies the rub, right? Because you can sit there as a you know a space fan, and there are a variety of them in in America, and you can sit there and say, you know, NASA really should be doing this and this and this, but NASA isn't going to do those things. NASA's going to do what it wants to do, and, and it, it's going to do what it, what you said it's doing. That is just you know maintaining the silly little space station, et cetera. Yeah. Um, if well, you really want to support the things that you want to support, if you really want to support the things that you want to support, then do it on a private basis, which thankfully now people are able to do as NASA has finally opened up the ability for privateers to go into space. For a long time, that wasn't even an option. This is a right. fairly and, new development. And, you know, when they when they actually have to make a, a profit or a bottom line, you know, these private companies are going to figure out a way to do it intelligently without making giant human fireworks. Yes, and without making just a you know just something to do for aerospace engineers, it's just that's what this is. It's sort of a project. Here, you guys go have fun, geek busy work, (laughs) right? And and you know all of these scientists that are working for NASA right now could put their their minds to use in such better ways. If they're right, it's a shame that we take some of the greatest minds of our generation and turn them into bureaucrats. Oh yeah, yeah. Imagine how much paperwork they probably have to do just to get you know a research project done or started or thought about. Yep. You know, they, they could have done in the time that it takes them just to get paperwork done. Yeah, let alone whether or not they even get it approved. 
Puke, great call. Thank you for making it. 800-259-9231. Private space exploration is the way of the future. Um, Because when, when a private organization with private investors fails when their rocket blows up or mm-hmm. they you know they uh, their design just doesn't work out you and I don't lose and whereas when nasa bombs out as it does well i mean it just can't help itself it's a bureaucracy it has to fail um when nasa fails we all lose we all suffer because we're all being targeted for taxation to support this bureaucracy that's not really doing us any good and you can't even compare what nasa does to the private companies because nasa's funded by force it's funded by tax money i have to pay for nasa whether i think it's a good idea or not right whereas if there were if there are and there are competing space exploration companies and and uh, these sort of space entrepreneurs out there most of them are funding their projects on their own i've never received a you know a letter from them asking for money but i'm sure they'll accept contributions if you want to give it to them um you know find a space company that's doing what you find exciting there are a variety of them and then you know get in touch with them and send them a little bit of money become an investor if you uh, if you possibly can there are plenty of space geeks in America. Look at all the Star Wars and Star Trek fans out there. I mean, man, if it, uh, these guys are buying dolls with their money. You know, they're buying little suits to wear and, and costumes. And mm-hmm. They would put some of that money into actual space exploration were they given the opportunity to. And speaking of private companies that are doing uh, space things, European firm EADS from BusinessWeek.com, Spiegel Online, EADS Astrium has unveiled plans in Paris for a new spacecraft that would take passengers into space and experience three minutes of weightlessness for a hefty fare of 150,000 euros. And I wouldn't doubt for a second that people are lining up to do it. That's, that seems affordable. Well, I don't think it sounds affordable. For an entry-level thing? I mean, remember, it was only like six years ago when they were selling uh, a space trip to Justin Timberlake for $20 million. You know those millionaires that were going up into space? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was only a handful of years ago. Now it's 200000 bucks for a three-minute trip? Well, and, and again, this is the very beginning. This is the cusp of space travel. Right. These are the early adopters. Right. It's going to get cheaper. The, these are the things that uh, they're selling. You know, they, they were selling for, I think, for a while. They were... Um, I think NASA was going to shoot off a little uh, container of your urn with your name written on it or something <laughs> like that. But these ideas are the kind of things that people want from space, and they're the kind yeah. of things that will sell I don't in want the way that we will get space or ex- exploration. I don't really want space trash floating out there with my name on it, but putting me into space, that's kind of an exciting idea. If it can be done safely and affordably, and that's exactly what these privateers are going to do. You might leave the house for that. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features completely free, so enjoy those on us. That includes the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens and dozens of ladies have taken this t- uh, the time to send us their validated photo, including Christina. She's our newest Shriner. First one in a couple months, actually. It kind of slows down, speeds up, and slows down again. But nonetheless, there are still a lot of ladies who have sent us their validated photos, and they're there at shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine. 
www.freetalklive.com. Talking about the, you know, the concept of private space travel. It is becoming a reality. Uh, there is a European firm called EADS Astrium that is looking at taking travelers into space for three minutes of weightlessness for a hefty fare of 150,000 euros, about 200,000 U.S. dollars. First flight is planned for 2012. And Spiegel Online asks, well, is there really a market for space tourism? Russia is already serving it. Richard Branson plans to follow suit. And now Europe wants to be part of the next big thing in luxury travel. Uh, so, And then it, it just goes on to outline the program and, and how it's going to work. But right now they're still charging $20 million, the Russians, that is, for a flight on the Russian Soyuz capsule to the International Space Station. So this is much more affordable than that. Uh, this is a fraction of that price. And it's only going to get cheaper as more players enter the game. I mean, this is how the marketplace works. Mm-hmm. The innovators come up with the original concepts. Right, and then they charge a premium. They charge a huge amount for the early adopters, the, mm-hmm. the space fanatics that are really rich, and they've got the money to, to pay for it. They're going to be, as you say, lining up in droves for this. And, uh, in fact, the EADS Astrium president is estimating the market for space tourism could grow to as many as 15,000 passengers by the year 2020. I, he might be underestimating that. In fact, I think it may grow a little well, bit faster than he thinks. It really just depends on the uh, the costs. I mean, I don't right. know what kind of craft gets you up um, to where you can go be weightless for Good three question. minutes. The prototype. Well, hold on, wait, wait. Um, <laughs> three minutes, but that... Uh, it, it, it it's got to be able to take people up on a pretty regular basis, and and at some point, I I won't I'm not willing to pay 120 thousand dollars for a ticket to be waste, waitless mm-hmm. for three minutes, but you know if I had the money maybe you could convince about a me. Yeah, you you certainly a thousand I'm in the game. Ten thousand, you know, I, I, if if I've got enough money, I'm certainly I'm in the game. You know, right. if ten thousand's a drop in the bucket, then of course, but you mm-hmm. know, it's you know it'll be after I buy my Ferrari. <laughs> EADS prototype envisions a spacecraft about the size of a private jet. It'd be launched from a conventional airport and first fire up its rockets at an altitude of about 12 kilometers. According to the company, the spacecraft would then throttle passengers at Mach 3 to a height of 60 kilometers in just 80 seconds, then cut off the rockets and glide to the 100-kilometer mark. Passengers would then be able to hover weightlessly for three minutes and witness the most spectacular view of the Earth imaginable as the pilot steers the ship using the small rocket using small rocket thrusters, according to a company statement. So they're doing basically the same thing they did uh, for the Apollo 13 movie, where they had this essentially they had this set built in a private aircraft that they would they would uh, shoot all the way up into the air and mm-hmm. then just fall. I see. They, they just fall, and so you're you're falling for three minutes, basically. But it has the appearance and feeling of weightlessness. Yeah. yeah well, you are you are weightless um, because you're falling. But you don't have the the wind whipping by. Exactly. Right. Uh, a new space race. The project seems is, like you could get close enough with uh, uh, jumping out of a plane. What do they call that? Skydiving. Yeah, not so not the same though, because then you've got the the wind, and you're not really. Mm-hmm. Then it feels like falling, whereas this won't feel like falling. Uh, EADS is going to be challenging an American firm called the Spaceship Company, which is currently working on the successor to its legendary Spaceship One, the first privately financed spacecraft to reach suborbital altitudes. Did it twice back in 2004 and made huge news. Spaceship One is an experimental aircraft with a rocket engine that can't be launched on its own. The company is now building Spaceship Two, which will also need a piggyback ride to its launching altitude uh, on a carrier plane. The spacecraft will be used by the British entrepreneur. It sounds remarkably a heck of a lot cheaper than taking a rocket and shooting it off from the, the planet's surface. You More know, economical, yeah. Yeah, just you know, flying an airplane up to where the uh, the spaceship can take off. Makes a lot more sense. I believe that's what they did with Enterprise, if I'm not mistaken. Enterprise? Enterprise was the original uh, space shuttle. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, I Really? 
Yeah, yeah. The spacecraft will be used by... I'm the, not saying that that's how they launched it, but I think that's how they did it. I've seen certainly seen pictures of the space shuttle piggybacked on a Boeing 747. I don't remember really what else. So there are at least two players in this game already. There's the European firm, EADS Astrium, and then Richard Branson's new firm, Virgin Galactic, will be using the spacecraft, which has started offering reservations on its website for about the same price point, 150,000 euros or 200,000 U.S. dollars. At the moment, however, Russia's space agency holds a monopoly on space travel. It offers trips to the International Space Station on its Soyuz rockets, and the last civilian to book it was a software engineer who paid an estimated 19 million euros for the privilege of hanging out with the crew of the International Space Station. So keep your eyes on this story. It's only going to get more interesting. It's only going to get more exciting. It's only going to get more innovative and more affordable, because finally the market is is open for space I can hear you excited about it, you know? I'm not even really a space geek, but, I mean, it's just cool. I mean, because who, as a kid, didn't want to be an astronaut, right? I mean, that's one of those things that every kid said, I want to be an astronaut. You don't really end up being an astronaut, but, and who the hell would want to be an astronaut? Because then you have to be a bureaucrat. But now you really can. You can go and have that taste of space for just a few hundred thousand dollars. There's lots of careers um, that that people really want to do. Police, firefighter astronaut there's all kinds of careers that have been built up um and they're government careers and that's the only way you can do such a thing i mean compare being a police officer to being a security guard mm-hmm. the uh, private uh, <laughs> <laughs> when i grow uh, up i want to be a security guard well i'm just it's just not what people say kids don't yeah. have that attitude it's right. just funny you know. if you're a bodyguard for a uh, you know upper echelon hollywood star that might be a little more exciting i would think so and that's a security guard mm-hmm. position so there are different levels of security guards. <laughs> sort of like how disc jockey is the lowest level of entertainer out there, I'm and then just, talk show host is the next step up. I'm picturing the security guards that I see at gated community <laughs> communities. That's why I'm laughing. They always look... I guess I was always going into gated communities at like late at night, so they were just tired and sort of sitting there reading a book. There's or, a good <laughs> chance they were stoned. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, um, so yes, things are going to get more innovative. It's going to get more affordable, and that's the way the market is going to work. I, you know, we might just see space tourism for real beyond just three minutes. Who knows how long it's going to be before there's like a space hotel instead of this crappy space station that they can fit three people into at the cost of billions of dollars. It was over $100 billion is what this insane thing has cost us. I, I just wonder what the market could build for the same amount of money. Oh, my gosh. That's mind-boggling. It is. Uh, but there really could be some sort of an orbiting space hotel up there that you could go up, spend a weekend at for a few thousand bucks. I mean, who wouldn't be lining up for something like that? You think they, Bermuda's big? You think the Bahamas are huge? They could uh, build it out of all the space junk NASA's left up there. <laughs> Although you can't wear a bikini at the, in space. Or I guess maybe you could. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Well, well you're you compared inside. it to, you, I would compared think that you have it to the Bahamas, and, and I think that people who like to go to the Bahamas are probably a little different. And and what about all the other innovation that uh, could could occur? Because we're just talking about, you know, we're just talking about the travel aspect of it. What about the actual technical aspects? You know, the space suit. How much has that changed over the years? Because the the spaceship itself hasn't changed very much. The this big bulky thing that they have this special tank. Have you seen the tank that they roll this thing out on? Oh, this uh, yeah, the the largest vehicle in the world. Yeah, this, it moves at one mile an hour. If that, yeah, I, I think yeah, it, it's huge. It's so heavy and so bulky, and it's so ancient. 
in its conceptualization. But NASA doesn't have an incentive to create a new spaceship. Well, this one's working. Sure, they blow up every few... <laughs> sure, we lose a handful of people every few years, but eh, it's doing the job. There's no it adds to the astronaut mystique. Uh, they, there's no reason for them to come up with a new, faster, sleeker version of it. But look at what Richard Branson and the other guys are doing for a fraction of the cost, for a fraction of the cost that they put in the gasoline in the uh, the NASA space shuttle, they're doing successful um, successful launches, mm-hmm. and so you would see. Obviously, the, the the actual shuttle technology would get better. It would be cheaper. It would be uh, just faster, and probably easier to fix, and probably wouldn't break as often as the the NASA stuff. And then also, what about the spacesuits? The ones that they have are pretty bulky looking. You know, <laughs> that's they're... what I was thinking when you said vacations <laughs> in space. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they, they need to get down to those those shiny Mylar deals that they'd have exactly. in all the, uh, the uh, 70s uh, space uh, They could do TV that. Shows. They, it, it's possible, <laughs> right? More on the way. You can take I control. I would look good in a shiny Mylar space Bring suit. up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. You like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and buy some stuff at our store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com and purchase some Free Talk Live-related merchandise. We have got the hot-selling Free Talk Live 2-gigabyte multi-gadget. We have sold, I think, 65 of them. At this point, we're only going to sell a hundred of them. So this is limited edition. If you want to get your hands on this, get your order in as soon as possible at store.freetalklive.com. It's two gigabytes. It's an MP3 player, a flash drive. It's a voice recorder and an FM tuner all rolled into one for less than 60 bucks. You can't beat it. Lots of Free Talk Live uh, branded merchandise like the Free Talk Live ladies t-shirt, the Free Marketeer shirt, which actually doesn't have our brand on it. It's just kind of cool. Um, also, we've got the uh, Free Talk Live beanie cap, the brand new Free Talk Live hoodies in uh, zippered style and pullover style, Free Talk Live lighter bottle opener combo, and those are just our new items. You can yeah. still order all our older ones as well. At I've store. got my uh, zippered hoodie on the way. I'm going to get it just in time for summer. Yeah, rumor has it that some of the products may be available at Porkfest. Mm. So if you're coming up to see us at Porkfest, Johnson, our store manager, may be in attendance and he may have your products. We can't make promises because it all depends on when the you know the companies crank them out. Um, anyway, store.freetalklive.com. Get some shopping done. Let's go to the phones. To the fun. It is Eric in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Eric. Eric in Michigan. Hey, everybody. Hey, what's on your mind? I've got an anecdote for you, and then I'd like to talk about the oil industry. Sure. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Stalin purges, the Stalin's Great Purges during the 30s, I think. Uh, do tell. What's that all about? Killing off all the intellectuals? Exactly. And uh, he killed off most of his military commanders, like 90% of the bureaucrats. and Wow. A lot of civilians, too. And so there's one theory of why it happened, and it was that uh, Stalin was, in fact, during the Tsarist times, an informant for the Tsarist police. And that, uh, that fact came to light at one point. And so one of the really low-down bureaucrats heard about it, and he said, I don't know what to do with this. So he sent it to his manager. He sent it to his manager, you know, up and up and up. Mm-hmm. Finally, it got to Stalin, and Stalin said, ah, crap, I can't let this get out. So he killed everyone when, everyone who had any idea about the fact, and then he just killed a bunch of other people to be sure. What was that called again? The what purges? Uh, the, uh, the purges. Stalin's Great Purge. Oh, okay. And, purge uh, of Communist So like you've always said, if you ever have tro- a problem, don't take it to a bureaucrat, because it'll just screw things up even more. Yep. Uh, and then as to the oil industry, I'm just not sure how the market would regulate it because 
it's a very limited resource, and there's already uh, a, you know a bunch of big established companies, and you can't really break into the industry without a huge amount of capital. Right. So I think that would limit competi- competition. But, and but I, wait, there are still people with huge amounts of capital, and uh, I mean, they just they aren't allowed to build new oil refineries. There are probably people that want to get in, but they can't. It's locked down. Right. If you own a, a I don't know, a Michigan. If you own a large tract of land in Michigan, you can't. Uh, you know, uh, mine for oil or uh, drill for oil in Michigan. I don't know that what kind of success you'd have, but right. you're not allowed to. Entrepreneurs are locked out of the game. They couldn't well, compete if they wanted to. Some, uh, I've seen some oil derricks. Sure, old ones. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and same thing with power plants. Before they put into play all these rules, and then it's not even the it's not even the uh, the wells that are the problem. It's the refineries. They just mm-hmm. the the, refi- the rules on building refineries are just so strict and stringent that none have been built in the United States for like 20 years. Well, yeah, but the thing is, I mean, most of the oil that's been discovered is already, you know, taken. It's already been bought up. So at this point, let's say we did go to a free market system, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have any more competition, and the guys who are already in the business are already in cahoots with each but other. You, but no, but there's no cartels don't last forever. It's not possible. It's just the nature of the cartel. Someone will want to cut, undercut someone else, and it's the companies don't necessarily own the land. Um, that you know, they may have a contract with somebody, they may have an agreement with somebody to, uh, you know, drill on their land and that kind of thing. But you know, there's when you put enough people into play and uh, put you know the the motivation of making money around, then you know the, the alliance is going to break up. But your key words, Eric, were the oil that has already been discovered. There's still more oil right. out and, there. And back in the uh, I think it was the 50s, um, there was there's this thing called shale oil. Apparently, you can squeeze um, this rock and get oil out of it, and it's just not considered, it wasn't considered economical at the time. Well, now they're starting to look at doing this because it suddenly makes financial sense at $3 a gallon right. for gas. And, and also, you get, if you open up the industry and you take the government subsidies out and the government protectionism out, then you know, maybe oil wouldn't really even last very long. I mean, if all these car- if the cartels want to raise their price, eventually, of course, one of the cartel members will break the cartel and, and lower their price because because of greed. But even if they, in theory, kept raising their prices, it would only spur the uh, the entrepreneurs out there into investing into alternative forms of energy. Yeah, but it's um, still established. I mean, people have you know two major investments. They have a house and they have a car. And I don't think the people, even if a new, a new technology came out today, would be willing to sell off their car right now. Well, just all, because you're be just because you're pessimistic doesn't mean that the people in search of profit it are. It just seems like it would be under the thumb of the oil magnates until one of them broke down and tried to get more money out of it. Oh, I, absolutely. There, there would definitely be an adjustment period. There, there's no way you can implement government rules without having some kind of backlash when you take them away. There's, it's absolutely true. Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's going to be painful. But I'll tell you, um, forces here in Keene have caused me to start using my bicycle more. They've uh, changed the, the city around, and uh, now there's detours going everywhere. It's a, it's, it's a terrible mission. I have to, you know, go another couple miles out of my way. It's only a mile to, from my house to Ian's, and um, you know, now it's like three. The um, so I just ride my bicycle and I go, you know, zip 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 right past the construction. I'm there faster than I would be in a car. Now a detour has caused it so that I'm using my bicycle more. I think you definitely can't. We'll see forces um, cause people to uh, change their traveling habits.
Some people no, a lot of can, America was but, built around the car, though. I mean, like in the area that I live, you really can't go anywhere unless you have a fine. car. That's fine. It's okay. Look at the uh, Tesla car. I mean, uh, they hundred thousand dollars to start off. But well, hold these on, these things start expensive. Look at the hydrogen, um, the, the hydrogen fuel cell mini cars. They're, they're giving away these little remote control hydrogen fuel cell cars, um, so that people can see. Yes, you can put water in here, and in fact, this vehicle will drive um, based on water power. We're we're adopting already new power right. sources. And just because you, if you're pessimistic about the future, that's your problem, because there are a bunch of other individuals out here that are excited about new energy and excited about investing into that and uh, and speculating and, and trying to come up with new power sources, and unfortunately, they're competing against this um, established, as you put it, industry that has government protectionism involved in it, and it's, it's a mess. So you're not really making an argument for government protectionism, and, right? And currently, the government isn't... You're just saying you're scared. It isn't capping um, what oil companies can make. I'm not happy at all about what they're doing, but I think that at the same time, if they rose their prices high enough, at least we've got some place to send our redress. Whereas the corporation, they don't care what you have to say as long as they're still making cash. And because well, then if that's – hold on a second. Mad, Do you think it's the government – Wait a minute. Uh, you're, now, you're saying, even when even if there's only two companies out there that are competing against each other, they won't be able to raise one. You know, one of them won't be able to raise their prices right. um, up sky high. And there's without, more than two. Look at OPEC. What, what about OPEC? The it's entire, one cartel. OPEC, OPEC does not control the world's oil supply. There's Venezuela. There are other Venezuela places. Venezuela part of OPEC. Well, they're all over. But the United States has huge oil supplies, too. Well, they're not allowed to tap them. 60% of the world's oil? If they change the prices, the entire world has to adjust to that. Uh, the United States has huge oil stores, and we could supply all of our domestic oil needs if we wanted to. The for problem is, is that we've regulated ourselves out of it, out of the ability to do so. Yeah, you can't drill for oil in the United States or off the coast of the United yeah, States. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're only saying, well, if we remove, remove this one government stricture, we're proposing removing all of the government strictures, then seeing how the market dictates. Even so, the U.S. doesn't have enough oil to last but one or two years. You're what? talking about reserves. He's talking about res- you're talking about reserves, Mark. You're not, th- not oil in the ground. Even if we used all the oil in the ground, I mean, we've got Alaska, and then we've got some off the coast. Do you know how big Alaska is? It's like half of the United States, the continental United States. It has some, yeah, I'll give you that, but I don't some? think it has enough for us to last Are you an long. expert at this? You no, don't no, know what I've you're talking that. about. You don't know what you're talking about. Thanks United for the call, Eric. Huge oil reserve. Appreciate hearing from you. Look, I, you know, I'm sorry that he's so paranoid reserves, about this. but... I'm sorry he's so paranoid about all this, but, you know, it really, go and do a little bit of research into a cartel, okay? And I don't think the oil companies are um, are capping what they're charging for a gallon of gas right now because they're scared the government's going to come along and regulate it. They're charging what they need to charge in order to get gas to their customers. Go and look into uh, how cartels work. It, let's create a little fantasy cartel situation for you here. You've got uh, your standard four-cornered intersection, right? Three mm-hmm. of the corners have gas stations on them. Okay. And uh, the fourth one has a nudie bookstore. Whatever. Okay. The three gas station owners get together and say, look, uh, guys, I'm tired of all this cutthroat competition. I'm tired of my slashing prices one cent just for you guys to slash your prices two cents on your retail price on gasoline. Let's get together on this. We've got a great intersection here. There are thousands of cars that pass by every day. Let's raise the price ten cents above uh, market levels, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll all be guaranteed people. Everybody will be and fat and happy. Right. Well, what's how long ha- does it last? Well, here's the reason it doesn't last because there's always a good corner and a bad corner, and that's this is just the specific instance. Um, so one guy is going to get more business simply by his placement. Mm-hmm. So the other guy is going to say, "Well, darn it." 
There's no way I can compete with his placement. I have to compete on price. Right. So I'm going to go a penny below what he's... I'm going to break this cartel, and I'm going a penny below. And then it's broken. Yep. Companies always have reasons why the other, one company can, can compete right. better than the other. And why did, he, uh, why did he break his price? Well, because he wanted profits. He wasn't making as much. Right. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Hour 2 is on the way. Bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones and to, it is Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Tom. Yeah, uh, on 25 May 1961, President John F. Kennedy addressed Congress saying, I believe this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, in do- of course, this nation it never did any such thing. The federal government did. All I did was pay, uh, get robbed to uh, pay for it. It's true. But well, you probably weren't alive. Were you alive back then? Oh, yeah. And okay. uh, the thing is, that is a, an example of a cause to unite the people behind. And I think that one of the things that uh, a lot of people fail to realize, they come up with other ideas, too, like let's get a, a drug-free America, partnership for a drug-free America. Let's unite all Americans behind it. And they fail to see that, hey, what about the people who don't want to go along with that. Yeah, what about what the people about, that do drugs? The millions the and millions of Americans. And, and they're not going to. So you know what these people do? They they take this cause and they worship it more intensely. And they figure that that makes up for somebody else's refusal to worship it. And they, they have this cult. You know, just as some people, libertarians, religion is that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Mm. You've got this counter, this other cult whose religion is God bless America and Semper Fidelis, and they worship flags, badges, benches, and law books. Yeah, you're right. And, and They're like, a scary cult, uh, too. They're now, dangerous. Uh, just as intensely as Catholics believe that when the priest consecrates the Eucharist and the altar wine, it becomes the body and blood of Jesus Christ, these people honestly believe that when some politicians manufacture a document embellished with a fancy seal and the governor autographs it, it's the law. (laughs) Oh, cannot be broken, must be revered. And, like, why do they manufacture a document that says that the purple finch shall be the state bird of New Hampshire when there's no way to break that law? What difference does it make? But speaking of the But those are the kind of laws that I like that they make, Tom. I mean, I want them to go out and, oh, go ahead, name Pop-Tarts the official snack food of New Hampshire. I don't care what you do, you know? Just don't whip out the guns. You know what would be funny, though, is 
you know, like Apollo 15 when they were driving around on the moon in that little putt-putt car called the Lunar <laughs> Rover? Okay. Well, wouldn't it be hilarious if the dude got picked up for DWI? <laughs> Drinking on the moon, speeding. So sobriety test, wearing a space suit, and, like, touch the tip of your finger. That, to the that would be nose. funny. You Tom, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Speaking of the cult of government, the know-it-alls, those are our betters. They're the bureaucrats, and they know what's better. For you, uh, let's go to a story out of Boston, Mark. This time, the bureaucrats apparently, you know, you talk about them doing things that are really going to affect people's lives. This one's really important, isn't it? Well, this is this isn't something they've implemented yet, but they're trying. If uh, Bellingham resident Douglas Flavin has his way, this is uh, from uh, theBostonChannel.com. All public bathroom doors in Massachusetts will open outward, not inward. The Legislature's Committee on State Administration and Regulatory Oversight Hmm. reviewed the bill Wednesday. State Representative James Valley, that's a Democrat from Franklin, uh, filed the bill on Flavin's behalf. Think how easy it would be to prevent germs and disease, Flavin's wife Tracy told Boston Now. If the state residents couldn't, could open bathrooms with, um, bathroom doors with a knee or elbow instead of a handle. Wait. What? Wait a minute. Okay, if I'm thinking of not touching a door, for example, wouldn't it, you're talking about pulling it outward? I would think that kicking it in would be more effective than, I mean, how are you going to pull it out with your Well, they're knee? saying that when you're in the bath, bathroom, uh, oh, departing in- from the bathroom, you have washed your hands, you don't want to touch the handle. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. I thought you meant the ones on the toilet stall. Yeah, that's what I thought, You're talking about the door too. to the bathroom or the toilet this, stall doors? To- toilet stall doors, uh, some of them open in, some of them open out. Okay, that's what I thought you were ways. talking about. But this is the door to the bathroom itself. Oh, okay. okay. They do open in. Um, and I think it's a good idea. I just don't think we need a law. Nor do I mean are we, these businesses we going to have to go back public, in and they're public. Re- it's not all. It's oh, not all. Oh, okay. It's, I thought it was okay. Never mind. When they say public, they mean government right. bathrooms, right? Mm. That's hard. That's because some people consider public anything that's, that's open true. to the public. I, well, that's kind of what I read, but maybe, maybe they are talking about just government bathrooms. That's the impression I got. I, I wonder- could be wrong. <laughs> Does say public. No, a public bathroom is... Is that what they're saying? Public bathroom? Yes. All public bathroom doors in Massachusetts. A public bathroom... That does sound a, like all businesses. Yeah, then. is a bathroom that's open to the public. Right. So um, businesses are going to have to pay to re-put their door on the, I mean, the opposite... This is absurd. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the way this reads, Yeah. but I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Normally, when they would implement something like that, they would grandfather in all bathrooms that are currently... Um, swinging in, you know, and they would just require all bathroom doors to swing out. I see. I see where you're coming from in that you sort of understand what they're saying that this might cut down on germs being spread. But what about all the internal things you touch when you're in the bathroom? I mean, when you finish with your um, number one or two or whatever it is you're doing in mm-hmm. there, and then you go up to the sink. Where inevitably, you're, if you're going to wash your hands, some people don't, if you're going to wash your hands, you either have to push the little thing that, uh, that makes it turn on, unless they have the infrared sensors, and certainly right. a, a very small percentage of, of uh, bathrooms have this. So you have to either touch, you, un- you have to screw the little uh, faucet or actually touch it. Now, how many other people have touched that faucet well, if, with their nasty old hands? If you're concerned about um, touching things, you can grab a... a a, a uh, towel, or, yes. you know, a paper towel, and, and you I'm can not one of these turn people. it that way, and you can you can turn it off the same way. You're right. The thing is, is um, when you leave the bathroom, you don't want to walk out with a paper towel in your hand, so you you could use the paper towel on the door handle, but then people will drop it right at the door as they depart. Sometimes there's a, a trash can by the door, but sometimes it is, but sometimes it's farther away, and then you've got to do the uh, you know hold the foot out kind of thing. You know? <laughs> 
If uh, you're that concerned about germs, I suggest you never leave your house. Yeah, exactly. Carry some Purell. <laughs> right. There are these. There are these people that are just so paranoid about germs. I, I'm certainly not one of them. But no. but at the same time, I also make a, a habit of of you know just because I can flushing with my foot and that sort I think, of thing. No, just I think no. I think the bathrooms are dirtier. Um, people that don't wash their hands, getting E. coli on the uh, on the handles and that kind of thing. Eh, I'm 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 with these guys, but I don't think it should be a law. Right. I, I, I'm, I think it's a great idea, and I don't think we should implement it via well, the law. Money uh, but is... it's probably a law that um, what direction the bathroom doors open already, which hmm. I think that they should just make it a law that a business can have its... You know, I don't think there's a law like that. You don't think that it would, it would interior on doors are to swing in? You no, don't think, I think that it, some bureaucrat wrote that? No, it would, it would, it would be depend on practical fa- um, factors for the business. Like if you are in a business p- uh, place where there's, very lot of, there's not a lot of space, then your door's going to have to swing in. If uh, you are in a business place where you've got enough space, then you could have it uh, swing outward. It's just going to depend on a variety of different factors. Mm, I'll but, bet you that there's uh, some code out there that says that interior doors have to swing into a room. Maybe. Isn't money the most disgusting? germy thing you can touch i don't know it's i've heard that i don't don't know if that's true or not but i've heard that your hands are more disgusting than your butt so i mean don't they also say that um like the the people that use the purell are actually more susceptible yeah because it's a it's an anti what is it it kills 99.9 right but some bacteria is good for you your body needs right so it destroys all of the good and bad bacteria. So they say people that obsessively use the antibacterial soap, it's not good for you. And I, I'm no doctor, so no, don't take my word on this. But from what I understand, you know, there's that point one percent of the germs that it doesn't kill. It just makes them stronger. It makes them like more immune to the Purell. So you'll never destroy those germs or whatever. And then you're passing these immuno germs around that everybody can get and nothing can kill them off. So there's some sort of a point of um, saturation as far as your body really shouldn't be too clean. From what I understand, you, you should um, your body should encounter some level of, of germs so you can boost your immune system and, and fight them off, and that way you won't have to worry if you encounter them in the future. I don't know a lot about it, but that's just as I understand. That doesn't mean I go into every meal without washing my hands, but from what I understand, uh, it's, it's not necessarily a good thing to have that Purell. Um, Using it from time to time, I'm sure, is okay. But it seems like the people that are really into that have, a, you know, they've got a bottle in their purse. They use it every single day. I wish I would have used it at the uh, talk radio convention that we were just at. I wouldn't have a cold that I have now. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. I've got a sore throat. You weren't kissing me at night, were you, Mark? More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features totally free, so enjoy those on us. That includes live streams. Broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. And are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. That's D2Z.org. So let's talk about uh, marijuana. Julia, you've got a story about a young person that was censored at, I believe, a government school? Yes. What happened? Uh, Kieran King's views on marijuana have led to his suspension from Wawada Parkland School. 
King said he was threatened with police action by Principal Susan Wilson previously after making the case that marijuana was less harmful than alcohol. In my opinion, cannabis is safer... There's a solid case there. Yeah. Yeah. In my opinion, cannabis is safer than they say. It is not worse than alcohol or tobacco, said King, a 15-year-old grade 10 student. Right. They'd have to threaten to uh, suspend him because... Or or police action. They'd have to threaten to arrest him because, well, they can't argue that point. Yeah. (laughs) Can you be arrested for talking about marijuana? No, I don't think you'd be arrested for that, but they could charge you with disorderly conduct or something. Right. Wilson accused King of using and selling marijuana at school, according to a media release issued by the... Hold uh, on. <laughs> because he talked about it, now he's... Uh, now he's guilty. a dealer. No, now he's guilty. a drug dealer, yes. King has offered to <laughs> I'll, submit... I'll say it right here that I believe that marijuana is safer than alcohol. And, you know, if if I would allow some cop to search my house, and I won't, um, you will not find any marijuana there. Wouldn't find a scale and some baggies? And... No, nothing. Mm. You'd find a uh, a woman there who used to be a drug treatment counselor who would think that marijuana is a very bad thing. Right. Would make sure that there is none there. King has offered to submit a voluntary drug test to prove otherwise. Hmm. I've never smoked marijuana. I've never even seen it, said King. He said he had done... give him another year. He's only 15. Yeah. <laughs> he said he had done independent research on marijuana use out of personal curiosity and decided to share the information with his friends at school. Good so for you're, him. Yeah, you're not even allowed to talk about it with your Apparently friends? Apparently not. Well, this is just it. They they don't want you to discuss marijuana. No. They don't want you to talk about uh, marijuana because if you learn something about it and you tell someone else, then they'll learn that the government's lied to them uh, all of their lives with the D.A.R.E. programs and all their other propaganda, and then they might start questioning government like I did when I was a teenager. Feeling his right to freedom of speech had been violated by Wilson, he organized a walkout to begin at 11.05 a.m. on Tuesday. Mm. Wow. Instead, yeah, good for him. Instead, he said the school was locked down in, in, in anticipation of the attempted walkout. Teachers reportedly stood in the doorways threatening punishment for leaving the school. Oh, my goodness. A jail. That's what it is. Yes, it is. King and his brother Lucas were given three-day suspensions for disobeying the lockdown. Hmm. Outside the school, three members of the marijuana party. This is actually out in of Canada, Canada, okay. which is really interesting to me because... Marijuana is much more, I mean, it's, it's still illegal, but it's extent. much more tolerated than it is here in America for the most part. One of the members of the NDP and one protester gathered in the parking lot in, the parking lot in front of the school. They used a megaphone to show their support for King and the students, said Ethan, an executive member of the Sus- Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Can't pronounce that word. <laughs> Marijuana party. Only four students walked out of the school, including King and his brother. The other two students returned to school to avoid punishment. Scared into submission. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's that's how they keep all of us in line. That's what yeah. governments do. Although, if I was in that situation, I would be so riled up that they told me I couldn't leave that I would leave. Because it would just drive me crazy. Yeah, but the teacher's in the doorway. What are you going to do? Push them? Because then you've got an assault Go under charge. their legs? I don't know. Hmm. Is there only one way out of the the school? I mean, well, I mean, when I was in school, there was uh, we had these sort of pod classrooms where the classrooms were interconnected on the inside, but there was only one door for each classroom. Is, so yeah, is that the highest best use of a teacher's time to be standing in the doorway? Guard with Billy Club, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, prison guard, making sure that students don't leave. Right. I just don't think it is. Uh, I mean, and if you want, if you don't want to learn in my class, right. get out. Get out. I mean, please stop ruining my kid's education. Yeah. When we asked them why they locked down the school, they said they were from outside the community and had a megaphone and might be frightening to the parents and students. Right. Yeah. 
couple of potheads in the parking lot with a megaphone. It's really scary. Two RCMP officers arrived and observed the walkout. No arrests were made and no charges were pressed. Well, that's good, I guess. Yes. Kids got suspended, though, still. Yeah. The main purpose wasn't cannabis. It was the defense of the freedom of speech. I believe that we have a right to freedom of expression. I don't believe in vulgarity, said King. I know that here in America, there is no freedom of speech on school campus. I I was told that specifically uh, by the principal of the the high school that I went to. I was told that, you know, the Constitution just doesn't apply when you're on school campus, apparently. Now, I don't have the Canadian Constitution in front of me right now, Mm -hmm. but I believe, I know that a lot of their rights are... You may have the right to do this, or you may have the right to freedom of speech, for mm-hmm. example, if we grant it to you. I'm not sure exactly which rights, but I know there are certain rights well, we that had are someone only call from Canada. sort of guaranteed. We had someone call earlier who pointed out that there's no freedom for hate speech in Canada, so um, presumably they have all sorts of different ways to limit your speech up there, if they want to. Right. The three-day suspension will prevent King from writing his final exams before he goes to China on a correspondence course. He's to leave Thursday. The honor student said he will still pass grade 10 because his marks are in the 80s and 90s. By missing his final exams, he will lose 30% of his marks. I know my children don't smoke, drink, or take drugs, said King's mother. As a parent, I feel I need to support Kieran, but I can see both sides of the issue. What's the other side of the issue? The other side of the issue is just censorship. It's do just not dis- talk about things right, that It's just do shutting not- down debate. That's well, the other side. It's... It's fear. I mean, imagine for a second that uh, a child wanted to uh, give a report or talk a great deal about uh, the practice of eating human flesh. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you see how people would uh, be justifiably very concerned about uh, said, you know, practice of talking about this? Okay. And that's what they're that's what they're feeling like. To them, it's the same as saying, well, I think it's a good idea to eat human flesh. Well, I guess that's quite a stretch. It's a stretch. I mean, but that's what they're hearing. What really bugs me about this article is it's it's like just proves that they do not care. I mean, they don't promote intelligence at all. No, they don't promote free free thinking at all. It's just, look, this is what we tell you to think and this is what you should think. And and don't don't think outside of the box. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what the government school system is designed to do. They tell you how to think, not how to think for yourself. And it's bothersome to me. Right, and then when some kid comes in there who's done some independent research on his own, he's excited about something. Because, you know, when you actually want to learn something, you can get excited about learning. And when they shove learning down your throat, you're not interested in it. That's sort of why the government school system cranks out these uh, muprons, these just uneducated adults because they're forcing them to read certain books. They're forcing them to learn certain topics. Well, they can recite the periodic table of elements. They don't. So. They I've don't, never I can't. to do that. Um, and, you I know, could when it was time for the test, though. I, I, I don't think they require that. Even I, I can't remember. Even in Chemistry 1 Honors, they never either, required either that. they didn't require it or I, I, I had to I learn in 8th grade science. I think, and what is the point of yeah, exactly, that? Yeah. That was my point, well, that's, that it's silly. You're that's where I was going to go. You're memorizing That's facts. what a lot of so-called government education is, is rote memorization right. of I trivia. Mean, how yes. is Californium helping me earn money today? It's not. 1-800-259-9231. Put that in your bowl and smoke it. 800-2-Californium, that is. Is that a real element? Yeah. 1-800-259-9231. Is it kind of lazy, sits on the beach a lot? That's sort of thing. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. 
If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, by the way, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features for free, including the bulletin board system, almost 250 thousand posts over 1500 people interacting lots of serious discussions and fun stuff you'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com that's bbs.freetalklive.com and i had somebody uh email me the other day about i guess some of the posters on the bbs when new people show up and they post for the very first time on the forum people jump on them the people are jumping on them <laughs> and uh and, and he was concerned you know he said well isn't this going to alienate some of the listeners? He, he was wondering, you know, what percentage of the listeners goes to the BBS, which, of course, is impossible to calculate, but I, I can't imagine. Small. I mean, it's probably a large percentage of our Internet listeners, but a very small percentage of our radio listeners. Uh, but, but either way, um, I pointed out that the BBS is very clearly an unmoderated forum. When you'd go on to the BBS for the very first time, there's a little agreement, you know, user agreement that it's not too long, wouldn't take you too long to read. The very first thing it says is that the BBS is an unmoderated forum, for the most part. There are some very small moderations that we will do from time to time. If somebody, for instance, comes on and starts posting porn spam everywhere, we'll, we'll get rid of them. threatens somebody bodily. Yeah, that's another factor, too. Uh, but, but for the most part, if, if you're just being rude, you will not be censored on the Free Talk Live BBS. So if you go on to the BBS expecting that everything's just going to be a walk in the park, it may not necessarily be. So I think everybody sort of knows in advance that... Anyone can say virtually anything on the Free Talk Live forum. The BBS certainly isn't the most friendliest of message forums. (laughs) Well, there are friendly people there. There are a lot of friendly people there. And there are unfriendly people there. Overall. The neat part, though, is there's a little ignore button for every single person. So if you don't like what they have to say, click ignore and you'll never have to read it again. Doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. BBS.freetalklive.com. Pop quiz. Do you know what Washington politics and libertarianism have in common? Answer very little. The Prometheus Institute at readpi.com is looking to make a real impact in Washington, not in 40 years, but right now. To find out what ma- what makes the Prometheus Institute different from all of the other flatwater political think tanks, visit readpi.com. That's readpi.com. So, Cannabis Culture Magazine, since we are still sort of talking about marijuana, and uh, you had brought up a story, Julia, from Canada about a young man who's 15 years old in government high school there, that he had done a little bit of independent research. He claims up and down that he's not even a marijuana smoker, and I have he's, no reason to doubt him. He said he would take a drug test to prove that. Right. Um, he did some independent research and discovered, what do you know? Marijuana's a lot more safe than that their government claims it is. In fact, it's a whole lot more safe than even alcohol is. I mean, this is indisputable. And, of course, because it's indisputable, the teachers didn't want to have anything to do with him saying such things in their classrooms. Um, they even went so far as to uh, block a scheduled walkout because, this, again, this boy was being punished for taking the time and effort to do a little bit of independent research, being punished for, want to, for wanting to talk about the exciting, interesting things that he discovered about this drug. And uh, and so they 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 wanted to punish him. They uh, the kids, as a result, scheduled a walkout. The the uh, the jail guards in this particular case got wind of it, and they blocked the kids from even leaving their classrooms, which really reveals the teach uh, the teachers for what they really are. Uh, they're glorified babysitters slash jail guards for kids. Well, they they didn't get into teaching to be that. They don't want to do that. 
It's just what it's turned into. I don't think they had to block the doors. Were they threatened to their jobs no, no, if they I'm didn't block saying, the doors? I'm, they'd I'm not be saying fired? that the teachers were forced to do this. I'm saying that this is what happens when you take an educator and turn them into a bureaucrat. When you take somebody who wanted nothing more than to, than to uh, teach young people and and to you know rear them in the ways of uh, you know goodness and and education, and you turn them and you start paying them from the state, this is what happens because. At a, at a private school, if there's some kind of disciplinary problem that they can't handle, that kid's gone. Yep. And this is yet another example of how the government reacts when its policies, in this case the war on drugs, are challenged. It discourages good teachers, which is l- stupid. Right. It discourages um, open debate. It discourages even discussion about its topics. Government has its position. It is convinced that its position is right, and it w- it will not even hear objections to it. This is why it's so hard to get... It's hard to get even a drug warrior to call our show to defend the war on drugs, but it's next to impossible to get someone in the government as far as the OND. CP, the uh, the drugs are these different drug related positions mm-hmm. in government. It is next to impossible to get these guys to show up at a public debate mm-hmm. about drug policy. Sure, they don't. You want to cannot. Do that. They'll is, lose. They, exactly right, and so they do everything they can to shove it under the rug to keep them quiet. Uh, the Institute of Medicine study that came out, I think it was in 1999, the government's own study determined that marijuana was not a gateway drug. That if marijuana has gateway effects, it's only because it's illegal and therefore sold in concert with other drugs in many cases. And so the government's own study found this out. And what did they do to it? They swept it under the rug. They didn't want anybody to talk about it. They didn't want any news reporters getting their hands on it. And here's another example of how they do this um, and how long it's been going on. According to Cannabis Culture magazine, the Madrid, there's a Madrid study... The term excuse me, medical marijuana took on a dramatic new meaning in February of 2000 when researchers in Madrid had announced they had destroyed incurable brain tumors in rats by injecting them with THC, the active ingredient in cannabis. THC is the stuff that gets you high. Mm-hmm. The Madrid study marks only the second time that THC has been administered to tumor-bearing animals. When was the last time? 1974. Why hasn't anything been done since 1974? Why was it 26 years since between then and the next study? Because the United States has a prohibition on uh, testing marijuana, and the United States is the most powerful country in the world. And, yeah. and uh, if you do, if and they'll throw country, their weight around. Yeah, if they will. And if your country decides you want to do some testing, uh, it's likely you could face some sanctions. Cut off the foreign aid, that sort of thing. In 1974, researchers at the Medical College of Virginia, who had been funded by the National Institutes of Health to find evidence that marijuana damages the immune system, found instead that THC slowed the growth of three kinds of cancer in mice, lung and breast cancer, and a virus-induced leukemia. The DEA quickly shut down the Virginia study and all further cannabis and tumor research, according to Jack Herrer. That was it! We're on the track of discovering something wonderful... We're on the path of discovering something about this plant, this natural plant that grows in the ground. You just throw the seeds out, it grows. Where do you think you get the rest of the drugs in the world from, by the way? Plants. Yeah. Uh, and we're about to discover something really exciting here. We're on the cusp of it. DEA comes in, shuts it down. We can't have this. We can't have people believing that marijuana might do something good for someone. Can you imagine all the bureaucrats that would be out of jobs if you uh, made marijuana legal? I mean... You know, they have this huge drug war on, which is... Mm, the war on marijuana. Uh, it really is a war on marijuana. Isn't it half of all the uh, 
drug um, drug arrests. Yes. Go to are, any go to government drug website, and there's a special section for marijuana, and then there's all other drugs. Right. There's marijuana and the rest, and that's really the way the rest the arrests go too. Marijuana and the rest. In Florida, the cop cars, the local cop cars, all used to have like the no smoking sign stickers on them, except it was no pot leaf. In 1976, President Gerald Ford put an end to all public cannabis research and granted exclusive research rights to major pharmaceutical companies who set out unsuccessfully to develop synthetic forms of THC that would deliver all the medical benefits without the high. The Madrid researchers reported in the March issue of Nature Medicine that they injected the brains of 45 rats with cancer cells, producing tumors whose presence they confirmed through MRIs, magnetic resonance, uh, resonance imaging, on the 12th day, they injected 15 of the rats with THC and 15 of them with Win55-212-2, a synthetic compound similar to THC. Quote, all the rats left untreated uniformly died 12 to 18 days after geloma, G- gelioma, brain cancer, cell inculcation. Can- cannabinoid THC-treated rats survived significantly longer than the control rats. Wow. THC administration was ineffective in three of the rats, which died by days 16 to 18. Nine of the THC-treated rats surpassed the time of death of untreated rats and survived up to 19 to 35 days, more than twice as long in some cases. Moreover, the tumor was completely eradicated in three of the treated rats. It went away. The, treat, uh, the rats treated with Win 55212 also showed similar results. But once again, just another example of how they just shove it under the carpet. They don't want people to know that this could be a useful chemical beyond just getting people high. And we already know all these things, but I just wanted to give you another example of that. 800-259-9231, maybe a little more on this and whatever you want to talk about. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control. You bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com where all the features are totally free if you like the show. And you can help support us by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Lots of our listeners have decided to do it. It's as little as 3 bucks a month, and it really makes a big, dif- uh, big difference for Free Talk Live. Remember, all of our website features are free. Unlike those other radio talk shows that want to charge you for accessing their websites, uh, we do all that for free. So this is above and beyond all that. This is if you really like the show and you want to help us get on more radio stations around the country because it's working. We've got hundreds of listeners sending us as little as 3 bucks a month. It all adds up into a nice little promotional budget for us where we can buy uh, ads in Talkers Magazine so more program directors see us. We've got a, a affiliate relations guy that calls radio stations for us during the daytime to, uh, to try to get more stations on board. And the fact is it's working. We've got more stations today than we ever have in the past, and they're coming on faster and faster, and uh, and it's all thanks to the amplifiers. So if you want to learn more about the program and learn about the perks you'll get access to, like the amp-only call-in lines, the amp-only forum, and more, all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. And wouldn't it be great to have an ex-narcotics officer be your personal coach to keep you from getting busted with marijuana? Go to nevergetbusted.com to view clips of the recently released DVD that's gained world attention. That's nevergetbusted.com. And it's people like Barry Cooper, uh, the man behind NeverGetBusted.com, people like Barry Cooper, people like Jack Cole from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, people like them that are, that are changing sides. They've come to the understanding that this war on drugs is absolutely an insane waste of resources. Mm-hmm. It's nuts to put our friends and family members in jail cells uh, and try to call that a solution to the drug problem. 
they've uh, they've come over to the sensible side, the pro-liberty side, and they're saying this is it. We need to stop this war on drugs. It needs to end. You've got studies by uh, the again the University of Madrid here showing that THC may actually either slow the growth of or possibly eliminate in some cases cancerous tumors. You've got amazing uh, results from medical marijuana users in 12, I think it were 12 coming up on 13 states now. People who have AIDS, they've got cancer, they find that uh, marijuana helps them keep their medicines down. People with glaucoma, people with multiple sclerosis, uh, people with severe pain, they find that marijuana helps them with a variety of their problems as well. All the while, the government bureaucrats and politicians continue to hold their position tight to their chest. They they cannot imagine admitting that they were wrong. I really think that's a lot of uh, that's a huge factor. It's here. like a little kid who puts his fingers in his ears. That's exactly what it is. Except but the little kid's got a gun. Well, and the, the little kid is fiscally uh, incentivized in order to uh, not listen to what you're saying. Right. We're giving, you know, we're being forced to give money to these politicians to do away with these drugs. Not that they're being successful. They're mm-hmm. just the opposite. I mean, drugs are more in, in higher proliferation now than they were when we started the war on drugs in the late 60s. But, um, you know, it... it they're incentivized. They want the money. And they've got it. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> and they can it. keep getting it. Um, and, and it. And it really just points out that the, to, to people that don't know this, that government isn't there to help you. Government, despite all of its posturing about protecting and serving, they're not doing that. They're putting people in jail for smoking a joint. That's nuts. And I think that we're on the very I, – I know maybe it's just me being uh, Pollyanna-ish, maybe eternally optimistic. But I feel like uh, the, you know, not only in, just in general are we on a, the cusp of sort of a libertarian informational revolution in this country, but I think obviously marijuana is going to come along with that. And uh, because of the Internet, it's going to allow – the Internet's going to allow activists to find one another, to get together and to organize more effectively. I think the marijuana legalization movement is more better organized today than it ever was in the past. Right. And the drug war has been going on for 40 years now almost, and I think a lot of people are starting to realize that it's not working. I hope so. I I hope you're right about that. It, it was certainly difficult for us to get drug warriors to call into the show. Maybe that's a good good sign. I know it's not really scientific evidence, but uh, nonetheless, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think what it's going to take though is some civil disobedience. I think that's the one thing that has really been missing in the marijuana movement. The the marijuana activists they're good about getting out with signs from time to time and doing a protest. I think they've got the the May fifth protest every single year, May Day protest or whatever, where uh, marijuana smokers go in major cities and they they walk for marijuana and they hold signs. And in some cases, there's some marijuana smoking. Going I would on. love to see just a thousand people or a just a large group of people in Concord or Keene or or Washington D.C. or wh- wherever you are get together and. Just have a large crowd of people smoking marijuana, some people smoking tobacco. What are they going to do? Arrest, feet, run through the crowds and well, arrest every single person smoking marijuana? That's a good question because there have been some instances of this. This year, Mark Emery, the publisher of Cannabis Culture Magazine, we've had him on the show in the past, he organized one of those exact things where people, I don't know if there was tobacco smoking involved, but he organized thousands of people to get together in Canada and smoke marijuana publicly. 
and that's what I think needs to happen in the United States. Canada's one thing, and that's good, and they're moving, in, you know, they're moving in the right direction. I don't know if anything came out of it, but here in America, there are of course the 420 celebrations, right? And there was one school, and I think it was in Colorado, where the kids, uh, college, it was a college, where the kids got together and the central gathering area, and they all, a lot of them, smoked marijuana publicly. I don't know if they had announced in advance that that was what they were going to do. I think that's just something that happens at right. a marijuana celebration, a 420 celebration. It was just something that spontaneously occurs. But I don't think they actually specifically organized the event to break marijuana laws, to have a mass civil disobedience in that particular case. And I think that it would have been maybe better publicized had that actually happened, had they had they called news media in advance right. and made a real event out of it and said, okay, on this date, at this time, we are going to have hundreds, if not thousands of people gathering together to break the marijuana laws. And I think they would have had better results. But what happened um, in that particular case was the cops knew that the event was going to go on, the campus cops, for instance, and the, right. the local cops. And they were there... And I presume undercover with cameras. Right, taking pictures. And didn't they ask other students to rat them out? They took pictures of everyone they spotted smoking marijuana. Or I I guess they presumed it was marijuana, right? Because how the hell would you know? Right, if you rolled a tobacco cigarette. You can have a a glass bowl and have tobacco in that. You can have something else in there that's fully legal. So, yeah, what they did was they took pictures of the kids that appeared to be smoking marijuana, then posted their photos on a website. And offered $50 bounties for identification of each of those children. Each of those young people, rather. Well, um, how could they prove it, though? They can't. And I don't know what happened as a result of uh, getting the identification. Probably just got their names on a list and they see them driving around, pull them over. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. But either way, that's kind of spooky, kind of yeah. police state-ish and kind of scary. Uh, but, but that's just it. The marijuana smokers of, the, of America and the world need to get over... Their fear of uh, being labeled as a marijuana right. smoker. I think it's very important for marijuana smokers to come out of the closet, so to say, and start right. talking about marijuana to show people that potheads are not the kind of potheads that you see in the in movies. The, yeah, exactly. Certainly those exist, but marijuana smokers are a wide range of people. They're business people, they're students, they're older people. Marijuana doesn't make you a loser. Right. If you were a loser before you started smoking marijuana, you'll continue to be a loser on marijuana. If you're a, a winner, if you're somebody that has a good work ethic and you, you create and you go to your, your job and you get things done, marijuana's not necessarily going to in, in, uh, interfere with all of that. There are plenty of people, there are functional alcoholics out there. You know, they right. go to if work during the day. stereotypes of uh, beer drinkers, um, you know, if you could look at one stereotype of beer drinker, guy in a wife beater t shirt, uh, stains on it, uh, you know, un- unshaven and, uh, you know, s- swilling uh, a can of yeah. uh, a can of beer. They're not all like I mean, that. You know, they're not all like that by any stretch of the imagination. You can go to a bar where you can get uh, 50 different types of uh, foreign beers on tap. I don't think that you got that same guy right. um, drinking beer at the bar there necessarily on a Friday night. So it's not really fair to, uh, you know, put uh, marijuana users in that kind of category. And, and shame on Hollywood, too, because um, they really... They really kind of contribute to the mental picture of the stereotypical marijuana smoker. Watching a bunch of businessmen smoke a joint at the end of the day after working isn't very funny. So you're right about that. And um, but but you know Hollywood, you would think would be better on that because right. there's so many pot smokers in the movie business. And there are pot smokers everywhere. It's like I've said before. If if the police were really serious about this war on drugs and putting people in jails, 
uh, in jail cells for smoking pot. They'd go to a restaurant. They'd take one of their undercover agents and go have them go get a job at a restaurant for a couple weeks, and then they'd find out that 90% of restaurant workers, uh, or 80, 80 to 90% of restaurant, it's like 90% of pizza delivery guys, but not 80% it's of high in the workers, restaurant business too. They, there are marijuana smokers all throughout the food service business. Just numbers I, you're making up. I'm not making those numbers up. I've been in restaurants. I've talked. To, we've talked to people who work for restaurants and pizza places on this show and asked them of your co-employees what percentage smokes marijuana. Eighty to ninety percent. Anecdotal evidence. It's I've worked in the restaurant evidence. business for eight years now. Would you concur? Yes. I yes, would, I well, would. Let's go to Lindy's Diner and ask the old waitresses They're there. I'm going to tell you, as a stranger walking in, you've got to get on the inside. Yeah. Hour three's on the way. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. As we go... Oh, wait. Ray dropped off. All right. So then, let's talk about sexy dreams. Things I just don't have enough of. Uh, apparently, ABC News and uh, actually, actually, you probably just don't remember them. Well, I don't know when I have them; they're pretty memorable. Right, but you only remember dreams if you mi- wake up in the middle of a dream. Okay, apparently right. that's true. Fair enough. Well, I mean, when you're studying dreams, and they're, they're they've done a study here, the ABC uh, ABC News Medical Unit's going to report on it here. But it would seem that when you're studying dreams, you can really only study the ones that people remember, right? Right. right. Okay. So whether it's Brad Pitt in a hot tub or Bill Clinton in the Oval Office, women dream about sex as often as men do, according to a new study. Is this even shocking? No. I guess people seem to think in America that women are just unsexed compared to men, and it's just not the case. No, if you're having sex, you have to have a partner. In a new, <laughs> new research released Thursday, 109 Real women... sex, that is. 109 women and 64 men recorded their dreams in a daily sleep log for two to four weeks. They submitted these accounts of their dreams, which is very hard, by the way. I tried, uh, I got a, 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 like a notepad and a pen and put it by the side of the bed. And when you wake up, it's hard to remember to write things down. And if you do remember to write down your dreams, you're in such a, uh, you're in such messed up shape mm-hmm. that I, I've written down my dreams mm-hmm. before and I could barely read what I wrote afterwards. And some. Dreams are hard to describe. Like there's certain aspects of dreams that are really hard to explain, really hard sure. to remember. Uh, you know. Uh, also, when I've had my most interesting dreams, it seems that I have woken up in the middle of the night as opposed to in the morning. I don't want to hmm. uh, take the chance of not being able to go back to sleep by getting up and doing an activity like writing a log. <laughs> but my dreams are simply not that important to me when it comes to comes to losing sleep. Sleeping is important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Dreams are not. They so, are interesting, though. You know, if you're talking about when I'm getting up, usually the alarm clock wakes me up, and therefore I'm less likely to be dreaming because I'm not in REM sleep. But if you don't do it right when you – I mean, if you are interested in doing this, and it, and it can be pretty fascinating to write these things down, if you don't do it right away, the longer you wait, the the more the dream fades sure, off. It's blurry. And uh, so you have to do it pretty much as soon as you wake up. 
Anyway, these people recorded their dreams in a daily sleep log for two to four weeks. They submitted their accounts of their dreams, more than 3,500 in all, to researchers at the University of Montreal. The dream logs were then scored on various scales according to the type of sexual activity, the setting, and characters involved. Men's sex dreams were twice as likely to involve trysts, trysts, I think, you know, I've had trouble with that word before, trysts, with multiple partners, and were more likely to take place in public. Women were twice as likely to dream about sex with public figures, according to the researchers. Both men and women reported dreaming about sex about 8% of the time. Observed gender differences may be indicative of different waking needs, experiences, desires, and attitudes with respect to sexuality, said the study's author, Dr. Zadra. Uh, current or past partners played a role in 20% women's sex dreams compared with 14% of men's dreams, according to the study, which was released at the annual meeting of the American Association of Sleep Professionals. Sex experts agree that the findings fit with the patterns of behavior during the waking hours. Quote, men are often more visually focused in terms of fantasy and women are more relationship focused. The uh, director of the Program of Human Sexuality Revealed, Zadra and other dream researchers said that dreams are often a continuation of waking thoughts, something they call the continuity hypothesis. Dreams are going to do their... Continuity, you're right. Uh, Dreams are going to do their own thing, whether we pay attention to them or not, said one of the professors. It's our 24-hour business to keep our sense of who we are, how we're doing, and where we're going. It's a system for keeping us in balance and intact. So... There's a little bit more about this, the study, but what do you, uh, Ju- Julia, as the lone woman on the show here, how do you feel about the revelation that women are more likely to dream about public figures, dream about sex I, with public figures? I never have, when I have sex dreams, and it's rare that I remember any sex dreams, but whenever I have sex dreams, it's always with somebody that I would never have sex with in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, one Mark. day. No. <laughs> I've never had a sex dream with Mark in it. You will never have sex with Mark in real life. <laughs> no. That is true, but I don't have sex dreams about you, Mark. Go Sorry. Um, I always have sex dreams Everybody about... Everybody has sex dreams about me. I always have sex dreams about... Um, for example, one day I had one about my boss, who was like 38 and married with mm-hmm. children, and I never found him physically attractive. Hmm. So I always have it about people I know that I wouldn't have sex with, really. It's always very strange. Maybe that's because you're um, atypical. Uh, do you think that most American women are obsessed with celebrity? I mean, obviously someone's right. out there buying those People magazines and the National Enquirers and all that. I would say it's more likely a female demographic that's buying those magazines, yeah. I think you're right. right uh, definitely, uh, the People People magazine, for sure. Sure, female demo. I also don't have relate like my my dreams are not relationship based either. My sex dreams it's it's totally just a sex thing. I don't think there are many relationship dreams, are there? I don't know. Well, didn't it? Didn't the article say something about how women men are more visually f- fantasy men's, and women men's are sex dreams twice as likely to involve trysts with multiple partners and were more likely to take place in public. Women that twice that as likely to dream about sex with public figures. Oh no, it was something else in there. I thought you said something about relationships. I could be wrong. Well, anyway, um, so yeah, I think if if it's true that women spend a lot of time thinking about public figures, then it would make sense. Like if they read a lot of people and National Enquirer yeah, and things if, like that. If, if that's what you're dumping in your brain, then that's what you're going to get out. Right. Uh, a similar study examining the dreams of men and women conducted 40 years ago. I know I have video game dreams. Do you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Conducted 40 years ago, found that women reported way fewer sexy dreams than men did. This led some behavioral scientists to assume that women didn't fantasize as much about sex. And that might not have been the case, as women at the time might have simply been too conservative to share their fantasies with researchers. 
because it was not proper, I guess, for women to uh, talk about such things. Mm-hmm. And so they they just pretended as though they didn't have them. And I think there's a there's still some of that going on in America today. There's some level of of sexual repression, and I'm sure you can talk more to this than I can uh, as a female. But do you feel like that's the case, Julia? That there are you know there's some level of sexual repression where women are sort of trained to uh, to not be as overtly sexual as far as talking about things like that uh, do in, I think in that? public. Yes, yeah. but. It doesn't affect me personally at all. But at the other, on the other side of that coin, there is certainly a lot more today um, promoting women's sexuality than right. before Cosmopolitan it's magazine and all those things. It's not as conservative as it was at one right. point in time. So definitely women are being more encouraged to be more open about their sexuality, and I think that's a good thing. I agree. And like, I've talked to plenty of young women, especially, who have problems sexually when they when they first get started because they're very not they're not confident and and that sort of thing. They feel bad about themselves for thinking about sex. Well, does and it all has that? to do with that? Right. Does Does anyone teach confidence? I mean, you've got I think you've got something about a sex ed uh, class maybe a little bit later, but uh, does they don't teach that in sex ed class. I mean, they they teach you about the diseases and stuff, which now they're taking that out and replacing it with abstinence. But they certainly don't teach you anything about confidence or, or any of the other factors and, and how first-time sex is inevitably going to be awkward. Don't base your relationship off, off of how the first-time sex was and all these other things. I don't want public schools teaching my kids uh, you know, confidence in sex. I don't want public schools at all. I want, I want privately run schools, in which case then parents would be able to decide what sort of sexual curriculum they're uh, I think when he encounter. says confidence, he's talking about just healthy sexual, sexuality, like having a healthy outlook on, on sexuality. Because sex is dangerous, and you certainly it's not a good idea to go around and just have sex with a bunch of people. It's not just dangerous from a physical standpoint as far as diseases are concerned, but it can be dangerous from a mental standpoint if people are going into it without really understanding what's happening, uh, without really understanding some of the factors that surround it, like confidence and, uh, and you know, first-time sex. I mean, one-night stands, they're never going to be as satisfying as a relationship building on, uh, on the, you know, the sexual uh, abilities of the partners and and exploring that sort of area well my uncle uh gave me a piece of advice and um i guess he's probably been married 40 years or so he said sex is better now than it was when he uh you know when they first got together you know it's, it I, just gets better all the time it's basically i would definitely said. agree with that statement Absolutely. in any relationship yes but, but entire year relationship here but people <laughs> year and a half but people um aren't told these things unless they've got more sexually open parents parents that are willing to discuss things like this. Right. I think that I think that really while popular culture has become more accepting of sexuality as far as women are concerned especially I still think that the family unit hasn't really absorbed that. I think there are a lot of conservative uh, sort for lack of a better word families out there that they just don't talk about these things. I had and, to do the research on my own. And I think it's damaging to our kids. 800-259-9231. What do you think? The show is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, so enjoy those on us. And some of those features include the wiki. There's over 1,350 pages waiting for you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. See what I mean by heading over to wiki.freetalklive.com. That's wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. Do you know that 9 out of 10 lawsuits in the world are filed in the United States? Any number of lawsuits, court orders, or greedy bureaucrats can leave you and your family penniless. 
At keepyourassets.net, they are experts at sheltering your wealth. You'll see that at keepyourassets.net, they can help you be protected against those that wish to take your assets. Keepyourassets.net. 1-800-259-9231. Talking about sex dreams. A new study has confirmed that, indeed, women are about as horny as guys, as far as, at least in their dreams. Um, Apparently, women and men both dream of sex about 8% of the time, though there are some... different statistics in regards to the types of dreams that they have. Women found to be more interested in dreaming about, for instance, public figures, celebrities, that sort of thing. That's funny to me. Yeah, it is. Uh, As though Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt is any better at sex than some random guy you'd meet on the street. Right. Well, Uh, the largest sex organ is your brain. Good point. Uh, And men more likely to dream about sex with multiple partners, for instance, apparently. Uh, so, interesting study, and they found that it's, it's shockingly different compared to a study that was done 40 years ago where women didn't really reveal that they had these things. They didn't really want to reveal that they had sex dreams because uh, maybe well, they would be thought of as sluts or something. I don't know. It makes sense. If you had asked me when I was 15 years old or 17 years old even if I had sex dreams, I would have been so... Um, beaten down, I guess, and not feeling good about talking about sex, I would not have admitted such a thing. Now, hold on a second. Are you more likely uh, or less likely to have sex dreams before you've actually had sex? I don't know. That's kind of an interesting question. I don't I, I don't. Because, well, I mean, even when I was 17 or 18 and I had had sex, I don't... I feel like at that point in time, I just wasn't that confident because I grew up in government schools and my parents never talked to me about sex. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if somebody had asked me then, I would not have answered honestly. Well, back in the 40s, or not the 40s, but back in the 60s, they certainly didn't. And uh, the researchers say that even if you dreamed about it, you didn't mention it as a woman, says uh, one of the dream experts. Things certainly have changed since that study four decades ago. Today's world of constant references to sex in music, on television, and on the Internet may create more racy images for the mind to raise during sleep, or a more liberal atmosphere might just make it easier to discuss fantasies. Well, Quote, that's certainly true. There's been a huge change in the openness of people to report sexual fantasies, dreams, and waking impulses. Today, it's just easier to express if you do have such dreams. And I, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's... That's moving in the right direction, though there's there's something still sort of weird about this culture that we live in, in that we're so oversexed as far as, as they mentioned, sex in music and sex in movies and that sort of thing. There's so much sexuality out there, but I think a lot of Americans still don't really have a grasp on understanding it as far as, you know, the relationship aspects of it and something beyond. I think they sort of just have sort of this surface understanding of it, like, oh, yeah, I like the way she looks or, you know, I like like thinking about sex. Sex is, you know, exciting and all that. But but as far as the actual ramifications of sex and uh, some of the more, I guess, theoretical sides of sex. Uh, I don't think that uh, we're really too educated about it. I think that we're having sex without really knowing what's going on. What Do you mean like the mechanics as far as the Kama Sutra, that kind of no, thing? No, not necessarily that, but uh, I don't know. I, I, it seems like it's all surface. It's all very... Um, well, they're appealing the to the, the purient aspects of sex, that's for right, sure. Right, right. There's not really education going on so much as just uh, sexual appeal and uh, targeting people with sex. So people know they like sex, but I don't think that a lot of them really have a grasp on what it's all about. I, I'm not even really able to even explain how I feel about it, I guess. 800-259-9231. I think it really, again, boils down to the the fact that 
parents just aren't good at talking about it. I really think that's a huge issue. It bothers me because if you're an adult, why can't you talk about adult issues, very important adult issues, with your children? Are you that embarrassed? I, I, apparently it's embarrassing, and I guess that's a, that's something that people really need to get over. I mean, I wh- wonder. I wonder if it's because their parents were embarrassed. Yeah, of course. I cycle mean, it, of abuse. Yeah, it's absolutely. In this case, it's just a cycle of ignorance. Uh, that the, maybe they just don't know what to say. You know, they weren't. It wasn't. Ex, it re, wasn't explicitly explained to them as kids, so they don't really know how to to have the conversation with their kids. It makes them still. They still feel awkward about talking about it, and. I, I would hope that people could could get over that, but unfortunately, we're still moving in this. There again, there are different different forces at work here, right? There's the forces of those sort of sexually liberal people that just want to talk about nothing but sex, and then there's still these uh, th- this sort of cadre of people that wants to pro- prohibit any sort of discussion of sex. There are the people out there that would be upset at the fact that we're discussing this on the radio. There are those people that absolutely true. That, that they believe that sex education is abstinence education and that kids shouldn't be told word one about sex in fact julia you've got a story about that right from utah some sort of study that's been done yes what's Uh, this all about one of the largest this is out of salt lake city one of the largest and most comprehensive studies of teen sex education conducted by dr stan weed of the institute of research and evaluation in salt lake city shows why abstinence is the most successful method of preventing physical and emotional complications resulting from premarital sexual activity. The study, followed by education and behavior of over 400,000 adolescents... Hold on a second. Yeah, like, you, how's a prophylactic going to stop emotional uh, damage done by premarital sex? Wait, wait, wait. Read that, uh, that paragraph about what abstinence is effective at doing. It was just oh, like the, last the most paragraph. successful method of preventing physical and emotional complications resulting from premarital sexual activity. Well, of course... Of course it's the most successful method in preventing complications from premarital sex. If you're not having premarital sex, there can't be complications. So, yeah, that's that's like duh. Of course it's going to be the there's most successful. There's a lot method. of there's a lot of I had a lot of I had a lot of emotional uh, complications due to not having premarital sex when But no, that wasn't sex. what the statement was. The statement was it prevents people from having complications from, from having sex. sex. I gotcha. Well, of course, it's abstinence. Mm-hmm. But what it doesn't do is effectively educate kids about sex when if they do have sex they know what the hell they're doing or at least have some idea to what the hell they're doing and how to protect themselves that's the problem with abstinence the final report entitled abstinence or comprehensive sex education begins by pointing out the flaws in a national study on abstinence released by mathematica policy research incorporated conducted in april 2007 now we read that story on the air I believe it was the story about abstinence programs. Mm-hmm. The government did its study on its own programs and mm-hmm. showed that they Found don't work. Ineffective. Yes. The previous study examined the progress of teens who participated in four different abstinence education programs. The final report indicated that abstinence education was ineffective and that young adolescents should receive comprehensive sex education. Now, I don't think that's exactly true. If I recall correctly, they call for both methods. They sort of like to promote abstinence at the same time of teaching sex education. Well, that makes sense. I mean, kids probably shouldn't be having sex, but if they're going to, and we damn well know they will, Some will. then you should explain to them how, well, you know, what they need to know. Right. And, and, of course, parents are going to disagree forever on this, which is one of the reasons why government needs to get the hell out of schools, so that way parents can send their kids to the schools that have the curriculum they're looking for. 800-259-9231, your thoughts on the sexuality of America. 
and what's lacking? What would you change if you could wave a magic wand? This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231, though we are talking about sex right now. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features for free, including updates. You get signed up, we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list, updates.freetalklive.com to get signed up. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. So their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. Talking about American sexuality and kind of how warped it was and what brought us into this whole conversation was a conversation about sex uh, sex dreams and it turns out that American women now are more likely to report having sex dreams than they ever were in the past and I think that's good I think you know we're slowly progressing towards you know progressing in the right direction as far as sexuality is concerned but at the same time there are still certain forces at work that would like us to regress you know back to the 19 19- 50s or whatever, or whenever it was that they feel that uh, things were right about the world. Of course, that's never actually going to happen, but that won't stop them from trying with their abstinence programs and all the things uh, that they're trying to do. People like that claim that people weren't having as much sex back then, and I don't believe that. I just think that people... Yeah, exactly. People weren't talking about it. Exactly. People have always... Of course, people have always had a lot of sex. We're still here. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's it's natural. It's instinct. Well, they only had married sex, Ian. Yeah, right. Uh, let's go to the phones. I asked the question, if you could wave a magic wand and change the, the American sexuality, what sort of changes would you make? Let's go to the phones talk to Dave in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hey, Dave. Long live free talk. What's on your Nobody mind? Nobody else calls, so I figure I'd call. I like talking to you guys. Thanks, dude. <laughs> What's up? Uh, I think by the time you're 14, you should witness three births and be involved in delivering a baby. Human births? They're pretty repulsive to watch. It certainly would deter me. I think people would have more respect for sex, more respect for women, and more respect for life. Hmm. I can't can't argue with that. I I learned a great deal by growing up on a farm um, just by, you know, seeing animals do what animals do. And... You know, you, I saw but, cows but get born. It's a special thing with a human being. There's people that die, go to their grave with never seeing the baby being born. Mm. And it seems like the government wants to steal birth away from the family or from people and steal even death away from us. What do you, you know mean by I mean? that? And And I think that... That just makes us more out of touch with life itself. When, when you say the government wants to steal birth from you, what do you mean? Well... They're not having them at home no more. The family isn't involved. You know, the daughters, the grandmother, the mother and daughter relationship. Uh, You know, like back in the old days, you know, they'd have the baby right in the living room. You know, everybody would be involved, you know. Yeah, but then you can't get doped up. It ties people together, you know. I think I know what you're talking about, Dave. 
I had a friend who was really into home births and really against hospitals because she had worked at a hospital as a midwife or something of that sort. Yeah, and she had experienced some really nasty things. And um, she had a home birth, and she had some complications, and during the birth had to be rushed to the hospital. Mm. I went through the same thing. We were having a home birth. We went to the hospital. I went through the whole gamut. Right. And the, the, and it's and I think that newborn uh, new father should uh, wear a sash so you could just get out of their way, let them do what they got to do. You know, <laughs> it's like sash. <laughs> when she a was little, a little sash, just so for like the first twenty four hours, because like I was in it, like like uh, I had to go buy stuff. The baby came early. Her blood pressure went up high. We had to rush to the hospital. I had to go buy stuff. I didn't want to wait in line. You're saying that back. you're saying that new fathers should wear a sash so they can hop, skip up into the front of uh, cash right, register yeah, lines. You know, hey, get out of this guy's way! <laughs> he just had a baby, you know. Like, Very but, interesting. Um, and and I I think it's just it's it's you know the way people think about feeding babies in public. You know they they would think nasty about an exposed breast rather than the nourishment that the baby's receiving in, in life and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's you know? so weird when people get upset about someone breastfeeding in public. I mean, the and in a lot of cases, it's women uh, and, that and get I upset think about it. that goes it. back just to the fact that we're, we're not involved with birth. We're not involved with the, 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 the entrance into this existence. Very good, and, and Dave. We're lost, I think. Thank you for the call. Appreciate that. 800-259-9231. Interesting ideas. Interesting guy. Yeah. Dave is, is such a modern-day philosopher. I, it just amazes me what he thinks about. Well, my friend I was talking about, she actually, while she was in the hospital, they were, of course, very angry that she had never been to the hospital. But I imagine she saved tons of money not oh, yeah. going to the hospital for months. But. Um, she believed in a different kind of birthing, and, and she they wanted to take her baby away from her mm-hmm. when after it was immediately born, and she wanted the baby to nurse immediately, and she wanted to hold the baby immediately, and she walked out of the hospital against their wishes because they were just so controlling. Being so authoritarian. Yeah, they wanted yeah. to take the baby. So I think that's what Dave meant when he was talking about um, the government not or pushing for the baby not to be more of a family thing. I think that's what he meant. Anyway. And we have talked about the issue of uh, breastfeeding in public before on the show, and I, it just amazes me that people get upset about this. I'm going to say I'm a little uncomfortable with uh, somebody breastfeeding in front of Why? me. Why? It's, just, a, it's natural. It. It's... I'm, I certainly wouldn't legislate against it. I would consider it my obligation to, uh, you know, uh, divert my eyes or, you know, find a magazine. It's or not get up sexy. And... That's for damn no. sure. Uh, but it's... So... it's, 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 it's like a human activity, it's you know, like using the bathroom or something like that. I don't it's, think it's the same as you know, it's, crouching it's and feeding. squatting it's and eating. I don't eat in the bathroom. Why do some? That's how women who breastfeed in public feel. I don't want my baby to eat in a dirty bathroom. No, I'm not saying that they should have right. to go to the bathroom. I'm just saying that you know, it, it personally makes, me uncom- makes you makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Right, and and I understand as far as private property is concerned. If and you if, if you've got a restaurant and you want to prevent people from doing that in your restaurant, it's your business. I mean, you can do there's that. A, but there's also a difference. Is um, you know, I've seen women um do both. I've seen women, you know, whip it out and uh, feed the baby right there, and I've seen them, you know, cover the baby's head with a cloth, and you really yeah, can't be see very what's going about on. it. Yeah, you really can't even tell what's going on. 
Well, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's uh, I just think it's great when a woman has the confidence to uh, be able to reveal her breast in public in order to uh, to feed her baby in front of everybody else. It, you know that she does she's not concerned about what everyone else is thinking. She's just concerned about nourishing her child. Well, I think that's good. I think breasts are so sexualized nowadays. Way that, over-sexualized. Right. They're so sexualized that that's all people think about when they think of breasts and they sort of forget that they actually have a function and it's to nourish a baby. Do are there guys out there that, you know, when they see a woman breastfeeding their their child that they get all excited? I'm sure there are. There are men <laughs> who like pregnant sure. women. I mean, That's true. Guys but there can't be guys that out many there that get all excited over high-heeled shoes. There you can't, can believe that they get excited about something. But there can't be that many of them, right? I mean, it must be a very small niche. That's not exciting or sexy or anything like that. Anyway, what do you think? 800-259-9231. And the question still stands. If you could wave a magic wand uh, and change things about American sexuality, what would you change? But in the meantime, let's continue with the uh, the story about the Utah study that's claiming that abstinence is effective, it's working, it's good. What do they have to say? After examining the Mathematica study, that was the national study um, that's proved that abstinence is not effective, uh, the, the Institute found several major errors that made the study non-representative of American sex education. First, says the more recent study, it took samples from high-risk sectors of the population, such as poor African or American single-parent households. So this institute here is suggesting that single-parent households and African-Americans are more likely to have sex. Is that true, or are they just assuming that? Well, it sounds like I, I, it doesn't. It's I not don't know. claiming. It's not claiming that that was their entire sample set. It's just saying they took some samples from high-risk households. And really, if the purpose of abstinence is to stop kids from having sex, shouldn't they be targeting high-risk households with their message? I mean, if that's what we really want, if right? it's effective, if it works. I mean, I don't think they're having too much trouble in Utah, but where there, you know, there's a lot of Mormons around, and you know, they're not allowed to have sex until they get married. In which case, then they can have all the sex they want. But more on the, several wives. More on the way at 800-259-9231. It would seem that you'd want to target those households, that you'd be interested in the results of the sex education or the abstinence education. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control even in these remaining moments. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features for free that we do ask you voluntarily support the show. And one of the ways you can do that, in this case, you're really just going to be supporting me, which by proxy supports the show. You can buy my Transformers collection. I'm auctioning them right now at auction.freetalklive.com. 89 robots, all kinds of neat original 1984 stuff, like a 1984 lunchbox. And I actually took that to school in kindergarten, as a matter of fact. Aww. Uh, yes, that's so cute. Uh, so that's all for sale, and the robots are actually, in, most of them are in decent condition. Uh, fairly large pictures for you to peruse and study, and uh, all the details at auction.freetalklive.com. What better time to get your hands on 89G1, Generation 1 Transformers, the original ones, from 1984 to 1989. What better time than now, right before the uh, the new live-action movie is about to be released in a matter of days? Auction.freetalklive.com. Talking about... American sexuality, and we've just gone on to the topic of abstinence, and there's now a study out of Utah that's saying that it's uh, flying in the face of the other studies that have come out that have said that nationally this abstinence thing just not working out. Uh, They're telling kids to not have sex, and they're going off and having sex anyway. 
But the Utah study says differently. The Utah study says that, well, one of the problems with the original study is they looked at high-risk households. And what else did they have to say? During the study, young people received abstinence education in pre-adolescence, but then received no follow-up training during adolescence. They were also examined about their sexual activities several years after any learning might have taken effect. Now, I understand what they're saying there, except I think that abstinence is pushed more in just more than in just school, and I think that even if it's not exactly taught, it's sort of what's the word I'm looking for? I, I don't know, but I, I thought they were teaching this in high school. I, they I, as are I understood te- it, they, they were. are teaching it in high school, and even if they're not teaching abstinence, if they're not really pushing for abstinence, they aren't teaching real sex education. What would be real sex well, education? Well, the sex education sections, at least my the sex education that I got in government school was very short, and and it, they made it really extra scary. And I understand that sex is scary, but they don't touch at all on any other aspects except, like, for example, I had a teacher poke holes in a condom with a pin and tell me that that's how easy condoms could break. Well, yeah, I guess if you poke a condom with a pin, it'd <laughs> yeah. be easy. Not sure you're using condoms in conjunction with pins, though. Yeah, exactly. So it's just silly. But More anyway. from the story? Yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. where I was going with that. Anyway, uh, Dr. Stan Weed told LifestandNews.com, within the United States, sexual activity rates have been going down among teenagers for about the last 12 or 13 years. And that coincides with when the abstinence education started. That's just a logical fallacy. Yeah, that's um, boy. I was just using the uh, the term for that non sequitur. A does not, it does not follow right. just because there are abstinence programs and the kids happen to have a little bit less sex doesn't necessarily mean that one is tied to the other. Abortion, pregnancies, and out of wedlock birth rates have also been going down among teens during that same period. However, pregnancy, abortion, and out-of-wedlock births have been rising for the older age group between 19 to 25, a group Hmm. that has not been targeted by abstinence programs. Now, (laughs) could it be because 19 to 25-year-olds have more sex than teenagers, young teenagers? Yeah, I think so. Not sure there's a real... (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure there's a real connection. Yes. So George Bush and uh, the government has been, they've implemented a, an abstinence program that supposedly targets young people up to age 29. There's oh, some sort of yeah. program. They're trying to launch a national uh, national. Campaign. I believe that the, the program exists. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they've created national television spots that or whatever. That sounds like an outrageous waste of money to me. But yeah, that's what they're yes. going to do. They're going Should to you try. be telling adults that they shouldn't have sex? That's what they're going to do. Should yes. they be spending my money to tell adults yeah. that they should be having sex? They're going sex. to tell adults that you should not have sex until you're married. That's the message that's going to come out of the, uh, the I government. strongly disagree with that statement, personally. And I do, too. I think you it's try an awful on idea. Before you, you try on shoes before you buy it. Absolutely. Test drive a car. More? Outlining these limitations and the report's inaccuracies, Dr. Weed highlighted the problems that sexually active teens encounter and the failure of comprehensive sex education to remedy such issues. These include teen pregnancies, STDs, and poor emotional health. Sexually active young people are also more physically assaulted or raped. Where do they get those statistics? It doesn't say. Okay. So... It's just some guy Yeah, in Utah. and you know what's really funny? It's on a religious website. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, of course. It's some sort of evangelical website. <laughs> That's why I thought it was funny. Comprehensive sex education also fails to explain the limitation of condoms, says the recent study, pointing out that many consequences of teen sexual activity are not prevented by condom use. Now, 
Um, when I actually got a real sex education class, I had in college, I had a biology teacher who was very versed in sexual reproduction and mm-hmm. sexual health. And she, she actually went through very thoroughly through all kinds of, um, all kinds of contraception. Yes. And I think that what we have today is it, we don't really have comprehensive sex education in schools. And I guess I shouldn't say we. The government schools yeah. don't really have good comprehensive sex education. It's, it's don't very expect half, that they ever will. Yeah, exactly. Condoms are never total, a total guarantee against STDs. So there's really no true safe sex outside of marriage. No, there's not true. <laughs> no, definitely not true. Secondly, despite 20 years of sex education, young people even fail to use condoms consistently. And maybe that's because they are embarrassed about sex, so they don't want to go buy condoms, or they don't have easy access to condoms. Who knows what the you know the reasons are? I mean, the the fact is, when you're in the heat of the moment, maybe there's just not something around, and they they can't overcome their uh, their natural desire to continue on with their impassioned. Um, Encounter. Right. Which, if it, it seems to me like if you're in the heat of the passion, as you say, and you have abstinence training or you have comprehensive sex education, you're going to have sex no matter what. So it seems like it's more risky to have complete abstinence abs- education and not know anything about sexual health and, and preventing these sorts of things. Absolutely. It seems like you're better equipped well, if I you're think in. That parents would prefer that their kids not have sex uh, before the age of 18, sure. um, right. largely. Um, but if they are, I, I would think that they would want them educated on the, the subjects, you know, uh, the, the subject pretty thoroughly. Apparently, many parents don't. Apparently, many parents, their idea about education is to don't just tell the kids, just say no, don't do it, don't have sex. And, and the, those parents are living in a fantasy world. How could they forget what it was like to be a teenager? It seems many of them do. Those hormones are raging. Kids want to have sex. They're going to do it whether well, you, you, you like it blanket, or not. You make a blanket statement. Not every kid is going to have sex. There's going to be a certain kids amount. Kids want to have sex. I didn't say they're going to. And if they get the opportunity, many of them will. It sounded exactly like you said they were going to. And then but, as a result of them being told, no, 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 don't do it, it's the same consequences that come out of the war on drugs in that kids are told, no, don't do drugs. They're not educated about drugs. They're not told, you know, they're not told how to do drugs safely. So, of course, they go and they get themselves into trouble. They get in themselves into situations where they're put in danger as a result of a simple lack of knowledge. It's something that a little bit of information could have solved. But parents, many parents in America are just stuck on the idea that if they keep telling their kids just say no, that they're going to they're, they're going to heed their words. And the fact is, kids will be kids, and they'll go and they'll do what you tell them to not do, simply because it's exciting. I've been told not to do it. It's forbidden fruit at that point. Then all of a sudden, it's the world of the forbidden. And, the, and that's exciting when you enter that world, and also very dangerous as a result of the lack of information. Huge problem. All right. Continuing. Most importantly, however, condoms do nothing to prevent the heartbreak, depression, and low <laughs> self-esteem caused by sexual activity. Now, that statement makes me laugh for several reasons. Why? But first of all, you cannot, I mean, heartbreak, depression, those sorts of things, that's just a natural part of growing up. I, a lot of people seem to think that everybody should live, like the anti-bully people that say that nobody should ever get picked on. They just want everybody to live this happy, like, that's a part of life. Well, I mean, I don't, I, well, I don't want bullies around. I think bullies are awful. No, but I'm talking about the people in schools, for example, who want, um, like, bullies or... I don't know. Well, um, it, it, it seems interesting, uh, Ian's dichotomous view, that he doesn't want bullies to be around and he thinks bullies are awful, but he thinks kids should be educated about sex. This is the same attitude that parents have about sex. 
they don't want their kids to have sex, and they should just shouldn't be around. Well, I mean, sex is a consensual act. Happen. Sex is a consensual bullying act. Bullying is, going is to violence. Happen, but bullying is going right. to happen. Yes, I again. understand that. So I wasn't sex. saying that bullying wasn't going to happen. I just said that I would like to prevent like, it as much I as possible. I think everybody wants to prevent heartbreak, but you have to have downs to have ups. I mean, it just, it's just yeah. part of life, and I don't think that you should try to prevent that 100% of the time. I think it's unhealthy. I think that it shelters children to try to protect them from heartbreak. I mean, that's silly. Absolutely. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So again, the 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 controversy between uh, over abstinence education is going to continue on ad infinitum. Um, it, it's never going to end. There are no. always going to be the ad, abstinence advocates, and they're always going to be up against the sex education advocates. And one side's going to gain power here, one side's going to gain power there, and they're going to implement their uh, their agenda in the government schools. And really, it's the government schools that are the issue here. It's the government schools that empowers both groups to uh, to take control of, of, of the kids of America and, uh, and pander their message to them. It's been Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Get the government schools out of it, and we'll solve a lot of problems. See you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.